Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is from our series, Amos, Let Justice Roll. Everyone knows that our world is not the way it should be. And yet as Christians, we know that God executes justice and will restore the world to the perfection he created it in. We'll be exploring how it is that God is just and justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. My name is Sandra, and I have been here for about 20 years, and I serve as a deacon and on our kitchen team. Please turn your Bibles to Amos 7, page 816 in the Pew Bible. If you do not have a Bible, um, that's our gift to you today. You can take that home. Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent word to King Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you right here in the house of Israel. The land cannot endure all his words. For Amos has said this, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go away, you seer. Flee to the land of Judah. Earn your living and give your prophecies there. But don't ever prophesy at Bethel again, for it is the king's sanctuary and a royal temple. So Amos answered Amaziah, I was not a prophet or a son of a prophet. Rather, I was a herdsman, and I took care of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Miss Sandra. Hey, so y'all want to learn something? Okay. So um, every week when we read that, we, um, they will end with, this is the word of the Lord. Okay? So th- it's an important part of our service. We didn't always used to have, we used to have like a, um, a, diff- a, a different type of scripture reading during the service, but we wanted to make sure scripture reading was a part of the service. Like, uh, it, was, it wasn't just kind of a throwaway type thing because we believe the word of the Lord is important, okay? So when, on Sundays, you ready? They will say, this is the word of the Lord, and this is how you respond. Thanks be to God. Okay, let's, let's practice. You wanna try? All right, this is the word of the Lord. Boy, that was great. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, yeah, I know. The best participation we get around here is on Days of Elijah. Um, uh, no, is that, is that the Ancient of Days? When we sing Ancient of Days, y'all got that three clap down. <laughs> His kingdom shall reign over all the earth. See? Look. <laughs> I didn't have to explain that one bit, did I? Okay, so you get it. If you're new here, that was weird for you. And you're like, I'm not coming back here anymore. It's okay. You'll get more comfortable. Everything's fine. Um, It's no different than some of the bars you go to. And they start shouting stuff while they're drunk. And everybody shouts the same thing, you know. I don't know that from experience, obviously. So... Oh, help me, God. We've got to get into the scripture. Too off kilter here. All right. So we've been in the book of Amos, and so I'm going to need to recap a little bit for some of you who are just joining. And if you will notice, the longer I preach on judgment and repentance, the lower the attendance gets. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh boy. Yeah, but this, this is the cool part about preaching out of the book of Amos, is that when we preach out of the Old Testament, okay, when we preach from the Old Testament and we read through some of these books, we are reading through these books with the lens of the cross, okay? So, so it means that there, Amos is in here and has implications for us today. This is written 765 BC. It has implications for us today. Um, but we look at it through the lens of the cross, which means when we preach, preach repentance and judgment. Repentance, if you don't know what that means, because uh, people really don't talk about repentance, is it is a turning away, okay? Repentance is you're, you're turning away from one thing to something else. So repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. You realize this. Repentance is saying, God, forgive me. And I want to, forgiveness and repentance are separate. Forgiveness comes through the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Repentance is our act. It's our response to being forgiven. And we turn, we turn to Christ, okay? It's a turning away. The, the, the beautiful thing is we have something to turn to. Man, where else can you go that will say, hey, here's the ugliness that you're staring at? And, and oftentimes in our culture, we'll just try and write it off or explain it away when the Bible calls us to turn and we have something to turn to that is consistent and faithful and good. I'm so thankful for that. Um, so the book of Amos, he's one of, he, was, he wasn't a prophet by trade. Okay, a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of the Lord. Okay, and 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 we'll learn later in the text today that prophets did more than just proclaim something for God or talk for God. They also interceded and what we would call stand in the gap for his people. Um, And so we started out in chapters one and two and we try to walk through books of the Bible um, it makes it so we can't skip the hard stuff. And um, uh, chapters one and two, we see this message to Israel and Amos, who was a farmer, okay, farmer. We just read it today. Miss Sandra just wrote it. She, in seven, he's, he's, he's responding to Amaziah and he says, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. Rather, I was a herdsman. I took care of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said, go prophesy to my people. Uh, If you're waiting for a seminary degree to proclaim the good news of the Lord, stop. Go ahead and go now. Speak now. Um, There isn't, uh, there's some people that think, man, I I just can't, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. Let me tell you, if Christ if, if, if you have made Christ the Lord of your life, it's time to open that mouth. Yeah, yeah, it is. And some of you will worry that you'll mess it up. Look, let me tell you something. This book has been around for a lot longer. And, and look, a ton, what, one thing I love about this book, a lot of people say, um, oh, well, this, it's, it's a skewed book. It's an old book. It's not, you know... You would think that a, a book that has a bunch of conspiracy theories in it to get you to believe something would leave out 
the ugly stuff. You know, all the people who fell short and broke the rules. This book is filled with people like you and I that obeyed the Lord. Yeah. Um, Amos being one of them. He said, okay, I'll go. I'm a farmer. I may not be equipped, but I feel the Lord calling me. Here I go. And he goes and he goes uh, up to this place called Bethel. And um, he begins, we saw this, he begins painting this circle around Israel. He's Israel being the people of God. He's, he's, he begins pronouncing judgment on these people for their ugliness and wickedness and sinfulness. That was a fun week. And then it's interesting because he, he condemns all these people around Israel. And I'm sure these people listening to him prophesy in Israel. So he's prophesying in Israel about all this condemning around Israel. And the people in Israel are probably thinking, oh, yeah, the Lord's going to smote them, smite them. Which one is it? Smite. I like smote better. It feels better. I'm going to, he's going to get all these people around us. And then Amos turns the corner and he says, no, look at you. Look at you. Look at how you've allowed everything around you to infiltrate you. Look at you. And I can tell you, uh, when you preach that type of message, people do not like it. People don't like to be called out. Um, That is something that has not changed. They, um, statistics say that you are uh, the average of the five people that are closest to you. Did you know that? <laughs> Some of you are really disappointed all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I heard someone talk about this just last week, why are y'all laughing? I'm not talking about you physically right now. Some of y'all are like, dang, I, I need to get over here on the other side of the sanctuary because... I don't, want to, I don't want to be around some of these people. Um, no, I'm talking your five closest friends or family members. The people who you give weight to, um, the longer you're around them, the more you will look like them. Well, I'm not going to tell it again. I'm not going to tell the joke again. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to move on. And this is why this is important, because when we allow culture, when we immerse ourselves um, and allow influences into here, okay, Um, you remember the scripture that says, be in the world, but not, right, this this is what we're talking about. They were letting the world, they were being in the world and of the world, and they let idols in, and he condemned all of that. Um, and so the, 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 the result is all this wickedness going on outside got inside the camp. And so they were ignoring the poor. They would then um, sell them into slavery and then deny them representation. This is God's people. You, you hear that and you think, oh, that sounds like not, that, that's not church folks. That's not God people. Well, It is when you allow outside influences to begin guiding you instead of his word. So they were ignoring his word. And we found that God is the only one with the authority to set the moral ethic standards. What does that mean? That means it's not up to you. 
It's not up to your feelings, frankly. It's up to God. And we base it off of his word. And, um, and then the next week, it kind of got a little harder because um, in 3 through 6, chapters 3 through 6, he basically calls them all hypocrites. He says, I, I hate your worship. And here's why I despise your worship. Because you're doing one thing with your mouth and your hands. And you're doing another, or you're, you're praising me with your mouth. You're praising me with your hands. And then you'll go out and ignore the poor, ignore injustice. In fact, you'll take part in the injustice. You're a hypocrite. And God does not receive hypocritical worship. So Amos, real positive guy, okay, real positive guy. Um, I don't, he seems very angsty. But the reason it feels that way is because Amos isn't speaking for Amos. Amos is speaking for the Lord. In fact, right here in the very uh, first chapter of Amos, what does he say? The Lord roars from, from Zion. This is the Lord roaring through the mouth of Amos. So he calls them out for being hypocrites and idol worship. We actually learn a couple words, uh, justice and righteousness. Uh, this word justice, uh, mispot, it means actually judgment. It's, it's a legal term. It means um, action to correct injustice. So when he says, let justice flow down, you could also say, let judgment flow down like a river. It's like a judge pronouncing judgment saying, here's what's right and we're going to correct it with righteousness. Sedekah, which means right relationships, equity despite social differences. It's all through the scripture here that we should be people of justice, we should be people of righteousness. And then he pronounces the day of the Lord. Now, this is Amos it kind of like the whole book is his sermons, some poems, and then uh, today we're going to get into his visions. You can read like the storyline of this in First and Second Kings. So if you go to First and Second Kings, that's where you'll see Amos kind of pop up in there during that time period. And then last week. We said going through the motions of religious acts means nothing when the rest of our life isn't in obedience to the Lord. So today we're going to get into some visions. Um, and up to this point, basically the way the sermons have been flowing, judgment and repentance. And then at the end, I make an appeal to you to look at the cross. Because all that judgment and repentance is made right in the cross, okay? So anyway, um, if you've come here today to check a box off, um, that would fall under the category of your attendance today does not earn you a ticket into heaven. Um, so if you came for that reason, um, you will get just as good of a ticket to heaven on a, on a nine-hole golf course as you would sitting in this pew. What we're talking about today is this, that um, our hearts, our head and our hearts have to meet. And so just religious acts for religious acts' sake do nothing. But a heart transformed by the power of the Spirit 
That is what God is looking for. So let's look at some visions. Anybody ever had a vision? I don't want to. I don't want to know. I asked the other week if somebody uh, had ever had a plot to be killed. And old Dewey back here raised his hand, and I didn't believe. I didn't believe my thought, man. He's just pulling my. You know, he's serious. Somebody tried to kill him. Um, this is a wild story. You should ask him about it. It's crazy. <laughs> you learn stuff. You learn stuff. Um, now, when we say vision, we're in chapter seven now. Um, we're not talking like, uh, like you're somebody seeing things that have no foundation. What we're talking about is uh, similar to being in a classroom, okay? Um, the Lord is showing something to Amos, and he is seeing it, but no one else sees it. Um, and so this is the vision we're talking about. So let's look at the first vision, locust. Everybody say locust. In verses one through three, we see the Lord God showed me this. So he showed me, okay, God is showing him something. He's just not hallucinating. That's different, okay? Some of you may have lived through the 60s and 70s, and maybe you know something about hallucinating. But don't raise your hand. Your faces. And when I ask them these questions, I'm, not me, Pastor. <laughs> okay. Showed me this. So, so Amos is seeing this. This is what he sees. He was forming a swarm of locusts at the time the spring crop first began to sprout. After the cutting of the king's hay, when the locusts finished eating the vegetation of the land, I said... Lord God, please forgive. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? And verse three says, the Lord relented concerning this. It will not happen, he said. So the very first vision he sees, he opens his eyes and he sees the swarm of locusts come down and after the king's crop. So let me explain what would happen. If um, back in this time, they would raise a crop Okay, uh, and, and what would happen is, is the king would come through first and take his. That's how it worked. The king would come through when it says right here, um, after the cutting of the king's hay, this is what that means. The king would come through and take the very best and the very first. And then what would happen is people would go out and pick through the fields and get the remainder. And that's how they survived. Um, what uh, Amos sees here is this pronouncement of judgment, this, hey, here's what judgment's going to look like. I'm going to send locusts after the king takes his cut, and it's going to destroy the rest. Here's the picture. There is going to be nothing left for the people of Israel. There's nothing going to be left for them. And Amos's response here, it's, it's, it's incredible you can see his heart for his people. He says, Lord God, please forgive. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? If you're wondering who Jacob is, Jacob is representing the entire nation 
Okay, um, some of us who have grown up in church, you would know Jacob and Esau, and Jacob was the smaller of the two, um, and and so he paints this picture. Hey, listen, we're already frail; things are already not looking good for a lot of us. Uh, if you do this, if you send these locusts, there's there's no hope. There's no hope. Um, one thing we can pull away very quickly here is this. Um, not only were prophets proclaiming the word of the Lord, but they are also standing in the gap and interceding for people. Intercession should be a part of our lives as people of God. Um, this is one of the things I think our church does so well. Um, when you have a need, and we, we want to take that to the Lord. One of, one of the primary things that the elders do here is we go through our member roster and the people who come here and we talk about your lives and what's on you and we lay it before the Lord. If you come to this church, one thing you can be assured of is that we are constantly laying you and your needs before the Lord. And this is what Amos is doing. Um, and to the kind of the point of the power of prayer, uh, the, it says in verse 3, the Lord relented concerning this. It said it will not happen. I really hope you're praying for the people close to you. I really hope that you are taking the time to not just pray for you, but you are taking the time to pray for those around you. Let, let me just ask you a rhetorical. When was the last time you prayed for someone else? Like earnestly. And, and, and I don't mean like a, hey, God bless so-and-so, but like, an, like a continual interceding and pleading with the Lord for people. And um, this was Amos, and the Lord relented. Look, look at the second vision here. In the second vision, in four through six, uh, so he sees the locust, then he sees fire. The Lord God showed me this. The Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire. It consumed the great deep and devoured the land. Then I said, Lord God, please stop. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? Look at verse six. You notice a rhythm here? The Lord relented concerning this. This will not happen Either, said the Lord. A um, couple differences between the two prayers so far. Um, he sees something and then he responds to the Lord in conversation and in prayer. And the first time he said, please forgive them. You know why he said that? There is nothing that will um, remove you from the judgment and wrath of God except his mercy and forgiveness. There's nothing. You can line up the dominoes. Some of us think our lives are so fragile, right? Have you ever been in the place where you're like, man, if I just get this right and this right, and I'll line this up, I'll line this up, my life's going to be perfect. And you line all those things up, and then just one little, and all of a sudden, it all falls apart. You ever been there? You think, man, I've got this thing. So a lot of us consider God this way. We think, oh, if I can just get this just right and I'll get this right, and if I can just line all these things up, he'll love me and he'll forgive me. No, that, that's not how it works. 
There's nothing you can do. There's nothing even you're capable of. It is his forgiveness and it's his to give. And, and Amos realizes this. Hey, listen, we've really dug ourselves a big hole. We need his forgiveness. This was the first prayer. The second time, he doesn't even aim for forgiveness. He just says, please stop. Please stop. You can hear his heart almost. God, please don't do this. No ask for forgiveness. Just please Stop standing in the gap. And then we see this little word again. The Lord relented concerning this. Do you know what that means? Um, this, in the Hebrew, it's naham. It means to repent. Um, but it almost has this tone of God's sorry that he even has to do this. this he, he, he is almost remorseful. He's broken up over the fact that judgment is even necessary. You know you serve a loving God, a caring God. Um, but just because, and, and we have a hard time with this. We have a hard time with the fact that God is loving, caring, and gracious, but he's also just. He also cannot tolerate sin. Anything that falls short of his standard. But we see this picture of relenting, of comforting, of almost being sorry that this is even a place. And so now one of the things also that, that we see here is that it doesn't remove the judgment. It just averts it. So in another 40 years after this, the entire nation's going to be gone, ex exiled. The things he's talking about here are going to happen, and it's going to be through the Assyrians, and the Assyrians are going to come in and jack everything up. And so this doesn't remove the judgment. It just averts it for the time being. So the Lord relented, and then he sees a third vision Let's look at it together. Third vision. You ready? Say ready. Okay, good. You're still here. He showed me this. So he showed me this. There's a total of five visions. We're only going to cover three today. He showed me five. He showed me this. The Lord was standing there by a vertical wall with a plumb line. Everybody say plumb line. In his hand. The Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? I replied, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. Isaac's high places will be deserted and Israel's sanctuaries will be in ruins. I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Um, have you ever been in class or in a conversation with somebody and they ask you a question. And it seems like the answer is obvious, but you think they're trying to trick you. Have you ever been in that spot where you're like, I think I know what I, I, they want me to say, but I'm not sure if they're trying to. And so you try and think through it. This is, this is how I kind of see this conversation here because God goes, hey, Amos, what is this? And Amos nails the answer. He's like, a plumb line? 
And then he, God explains what this plumb line is. Anybody know what a plumb line is? Yeah, have you seen one? So this is the picture. The picture is that um, a plumb line is a piece of string with a weight at the bottom. Now, typically, they call it a plumb, uh, um, a plumber bob or whatever. It's usually, it's not, it's not keys. So this is not just code. This is not a plumber bob code level piece of equipment here. I thought somebody had a plumber bob. They did not have a plumber bob. I was going to go to Home Depot at 6 o'clock this morning. It didn't happen. So you get keys. So what he sees is he sees the Lord standing on the edge. No, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. Let me go over here. No, I'm not going to go over there. They can't see it online. Okay. So they hang the string, okay? And they stand on a wall. And what they do is the weight at the bottom, right? Gravity helps it go straight. And they use this plumber bob. Most people that use them currently, surveyors, surveyors use them. Um, People who dig for footings or uh, foundations, they use plumber bobs, okay? This plumb line. You know what it's used for? It's to let you know if something is true and straight. It'll let you know if something's crooked or, or leaning one way or leaning the other. And in this case, this plumb line represents God's law. And he says, look, I'm going to take this plumb line and I'm, my law and I'm going to drop it amongst my people, and I'm going to see if they're crooked or are they straight. And this is the problem. This is the problem. Now, some of us would be like, man, that's, that's something, pastor. And then all you're going to remember from this is that I tied some keys to a string. I don't know what it meant, but he tied us some keys to a string. Here's what this means. God's law, and we said this first week, God's law is the plumb line. Now here's here's where we can get off. Many of us have our own plumb lines. Yeah, you have a plumb line. And I don't mean like a legit one. I, I mean like in your lives, you have your own standards. And so, when you put your standards up against your friends, you're like, man, I'm a great person. So, what are we measuring? What what are we measuring against? These people, when they would build these walls to see if they're straight, to see if they're true, they would use this plumb line. And when he says, I'm going to drop it amongst my people, He's saying, this is the standard. My law is, I am the standard by which you measure. Not you. Not your standards. So so one of my questions today was, how does your character, how does your conduct measure up against the law of God? Not to, how does it measure up against the crowd? Your neighbor across the street? Not even the, the latest opinion polls. I'm not asking you how you measure up against the world. 
Because many of us give ourselves an out that way. We say, oh, I'm good. I know tons of people worse than me. But that's not the standard. God is the standard. Matter of fact, I, the, the scripture that comes to mind is, is James, where James says, uh, we're uh, a person who doubts is like a, 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 a person who's tossed back and forth. You remember that out of James? Um, you would be like a plumb line with no weight. If I, if I took this plumb line right here and I cut these keys off of it, look, look at this end. Look. You see that? Can you measure a straight wall off of that? No, that's you trying to measure your own worth, your own righteousness off of your own standards. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. God's law is the standard. God's plumb line of righteousness might make us uncomfortable, but it will reveal to us where we are crooked. So, well, I'm just going to say it. So, I I found out something. I learned something. You ready to learn something? I I found something out. It's cool. It's cool. Um, It takes exactly three weeks of preaching on judgment and repentance for people to start getting upset with you. Three weeks. I found this. I found this. Look. After I preached last week's message, people came out of the work. They came out of the way to tell me, you should be judging other people, not me. It's basically what they said. Hey, why don't you jump on these other people? They should work harder. They should. They're holding up their own plumb line. They're holding up their own plumb line. People don't like it. When someone tells them that they are not the objective standard for right and wrong, God is. And frankly, when all of us line up against the standard of God, you fall short every time. Every time. God's wrath, his judgment is unavoidable at this point. We, we saw, what happened after vision one? Amos said, please forgive him. After vision two, just stop, Lord, will you just stop? And after both times, he relents. And then after the third time, Amos realizes something. Judgment and wrath is unavoidable at this point. It's unavoidable. The Lord said, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. Now, interesting piece here. That word spare can also be used as I will no no longer pass over them. You know what they would have thought of? Slavery in Egypt. When the Spirit of God passed over those who had put the Lamb's blood across their posts. He said, I'm not going to look past it anymore. I'm not going to look past it anymore. All you're falling short. And then the judgment here is that uh, he said, look, I'm going to lay everything to waste. All those idols you built up, I'm going to destroy them. All those things that you valued so much that you thought were really in tune, you, you really in tune with, I'm going to lay it all to rest. Israel's sanctuaries will be in ruins 
I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam. So it's more than just his people. He's coming against Jeroboam. He's, he's bringing the government to the ground. You know what this tells me? The Lord is sovereign over the things we think he has control of and even the things we think he doesn't control of. God is in control of all of it. The government, our church, our lives. He's sovereign over every piece. You know how I said it takes three weeks to get people upset? Amos has the same experience because this dude named Amaziah comes out after he says this. And Amaziah, just in brief, because I got to close so we can go eat. Some of y'all are hungry. Some of y'all are like, yeah. You get a little long winded. <laughs> Had enough of this. <laughs> Oh boy. You know, we stopped counting attendance. We stopped counting attendance. It's just depressing because y'all come and go like the wind. Um, oh, is that too truthful? I'm so sorry. Um, it's just been that way. We're still trying to find a new normal. But uh, this guy, Amaziah, everybody say Amaziah, comes out of nowhere. He's the high priest in Bethel. So, where has Amos been doing all this shouting and preaching? Bethel. Well, he's attracted the attention of the high priest in Bethel. And Amaziah's like, man, he is going to destroy our way of life around here if he keeps preaching like that. So he goes to Jeroboam. And what does he say? In 10, you find this in 10 through 17. He goes to Jeroboam and says, Amos has conspired against you. Right here in the house of Israel, the land cannot endure all his words. For Amos has said this, Jeroboam will die by the sword. And Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. Then Amaziah said to Amos. So, so Amaziah kind of writes this letter to the king and then almost immediately turns to Amos and says, Go away, you seer. Look, this is exactly what people were telling me over the last week. Hey, preach on something else. Tell all those other people how bad they are. Don't talk about me. Don't talk about my life. So Amaziah says, hey, Amos, go home. Be quiet. Shut up. Just be quiet. Flee from here. Go earn your living and give your prophecies there. He said, go preach to your trees. Go preach to your cows. Sometimes I feel like that's what I need to do. Sometimes I feel like I need to go home. We found out we have a little mouse friend. I found him just last night. Oh, yeah. Found a little mouse guy. He's, and he's got a little home. We found him. I called the pest guy. I said, hey, you need to get out to my house. And I wasn't going to tell my wife. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you won't tell your wife because then she ain't going to sleep. Every little... She's going to think, oh, it's here. But the problem was, I used one of my wife's real pretty baskets to trap him. <laughs> and she said, Carl, where's the basket? And I was like, I had to use it. Um, so then I realized that night, if I go to church, I, go to, I get here early, I'm, I get up before any of them and... I said, look, if she moves this basket, all my work is for naught. 
Little cute fella, too. Little cute fella. So I told her last night, we sat in the bed. And I said, hey, so you know how that basket was missing? Yeah, well, don't move it. <laughs> Why? Eh. Just, don't, just don't move it. There may have been a little, little fella Little, little fella, little mouse. And she, she does this. <laughs> I am not going to sleep tonight. I was like, babe, I had to tell you because was it still there this morning? I know you checked. I know you looked. Yeah, I see. I got him. He squared away until my guy gets there. I have no idea why I told that story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember now. I'm coming back around. I'm, I'm circling the plane. So sometimes I feel like I should just preach that mouse. Like Amaziah told Amos to go preach to your cows. Go over there and preach. We don't want any of that here. I love, I love Amos's response here. Amos a- answered Amaziah, look. He said, look, I'm no prophet. I'm not a prophet. I was not a prophet or the son of a prophet. Rather, I was just a herdsman. I took care of sycamore figs, but the Lord took me and told me to do this. You know what Amos is saying? I don't answer to you. Oh, I wish some of us would carry that same burden, that we need to share the hard things. Because frankly, you don't, I don't answer to you. You know what my greatest burden standing here is that one day I'm going to answer to God for everything I said from this pulpit. And I'm sure he's going to ask about why I told a mouse story. I'm going to have to own that one. Amos said, I don't work for you. God's wrath at this point was unavoidable. Everyone finds themselves in two positions. Two positions. You are either under God's wrath and condemnation, or you're you're under the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. There's only two places to be, there's no middle ground. There's no like gray area. Well, Ken, Carl, can you? No, there's, there's two places to be. Under condemnation and wrath and under grace. Hear me today. Hear Carl, please hear me. Don't go to sleep. This, this is also part of the problem. A lot of people get upset because they, they hear like the first part of my message and they doze off. And then when they come back, they hear the other part of my message and they miss the in-between. And so they miss all the context altogether. So if you're still with me, The message at the end of Amaziah's opposition here tells us one clear story. Those who reject God bear the weight of his wrath and condemnation. If you reject God, you will also have to carry the same weight that Amos is pronouncing over Israel. 
That is just as true today as it was then. So you can have two positions. You can be under that weight. You can carry that weight. Or you can flip to Romans and see in Romans 3, 24 and 25 where it says, they, I'm going to start at 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. And you'll recognize this. For all have sinned and come short, fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look at 25. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice. You know what the other word for that is? Propitiation. In his blood, received through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because of his restraint, God passed over. Y'all remember that? God passed over the sins previously committed. You ready for the good news? All that wrath, all that weight, all that judgment, where God hangs that plumb line in your life and says you're guilty. All of that weight, all of that judgment that has to be made right, all of it was placed on Christ. That word propitiation that I just said, you know what it means? It is a gift aimed at removing the wrath of taking the weight of wrath and judgment. It, it, it's kind of the picture of, hey, I'm owed something. And all of us have a debt. All of us, at some point, we're living under the wrath and judgment of God. And here's the free gift to you. Christ who pronounces judgment and is right and just to do so, took upon him every sin, all shame. He took it all on the cross and he shed his blood as payment to remove the wrath to remove that judgment. Hey, look, this is the most freedom message you will hear across the globe. That there is a place where there's no judgment. There is a place where there's no condemnation. There is a place where, because some of us have felt at times like, man, I feel like God's just mad at me. What we find in Christ alone is a removing of the wrath a removing of the judgment freedom no condemnation he exchanges death 
and wrath for life and freedom. And that message is just as true today as it was at the cross. And it wasn't a backup plan. It's always been his plan. And you may today have had this picture of God that he's just angry, some, you know, just out to kill and destroy. And look, I wouldn't be preaching truth to you if I didn't tell you that that day is coming. There is a day coming where he will return and he will rightly judge. But here's the picture. When I go and I stand before God and he pulls the file drawer out and he pulls out my conviction. He pulls out my conviction that says I'm guilty as charged. That says I am due wrath and judgment. What he will see is that that conviction is covered with the blood of the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ. He'll pull it and he'll and he won't see my failings and he won't see where I fell short. You know what he'll see? He'll see the cross. He'll see his blood. He'll see I was made right. And so I don't have to worry about my own righteousness now because I have what we call imputed righteousness. So that when God looks at me, he sees Christ. And that is good news for you. I love preaching about wrath and judgment and repentance. Because I felt the freedom of the cross. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.